Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Hi everyone, welcome back to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.dk's weekly podcast about all things mental health. Usually we're weekly, but at the moment we're doing about three episodes a week because coronavirus is scary and messing with our mental health and we need more support. I'm Ellen. And I'm Yvette. And today we're chatting to Lucy Hadley. She's a campaigns and policy manager from Women's Aid. Today we're going to be chatting to her about domestic violence and coronavirus. We're also going to be chatting about how to help those living with an abusive partner and what to do if that's you. Has there been an increase in domestic violence during the lockdown? I think it's it's really important to start by saying that that uh, COVID nineteen and, and the pandemic uh, won't cause domestic abuse, but mm. it's you know we're able to predict that a situation in which you've got survivors living constantly um, with a perpetrator and and with no means or very limited means of um, of leaving the house, being in kind of constant surveillance, um, constant lockdown, constant restrictions, and then very few opportunities to seek help and support. It was clear what impact that was going to have. And we saw data from China and from other countries that were a bit further ahead of us um, with COVID-19 that, that domestic abuse, reported domestic abuse increased. And um, and since the, the lockdown's taken hold here over the past kind of four weeks, um, we've not seen huge increases in reports to the police. So we've only seen about a 3% increase nationally, but we have seen really significant increases in, in women contacting uh, support services for advice, support and for, you know, trying to, to escape and leave the relationship. So our live chat service has seen a 41% increase uh, in users since the 16th of March. And um, that's a support service that provides instant messenger um, support for, for women experiencing domestic abuse. And obviously, we know that for many women, that's that's going to be a safer option than reaching out for, for help over the phone because, because you might risk being overheard. Similarly, the Nas- National Domestic Abuse Helpline in England has seen a 25% increase in calls since uh, lockdown began. So we're definitely seeing more women reaching out for help, even if we're not seeing huge increases in reports to the police. Is there a concern that maybe there has been an increase, but 
because it's so difficult to report it when you're in lockdown is that a concern that it could be you know it could be even more of an increase than we know about that's absolutely right yeah i mean even before covid-19 only around one in five uh women that experience domestic abuse would ever report to the police and mm-hmm. um, for many the risk is just too great they're too uh fearful of the perpetrator's reaction um and and it's you know too many barriers um particularly for migrant women fear being reported to immigration enforcement and and other things like that so there's there's significant um issues in in how victims report domestic abuse anyway and as you say with all of these new restrictions on our lives the opportunities that women have to to get out and seek help whether that's at the gp surgery at their school where their child might be receiving some support for the the domestic abuse they're facing at home as well um all these different routes that we we normally see women reaching out for help are closing down so you know we've seen that that those big increases in in women seeking support online and on the phone um as you say, it's really hard to know exactly um, the scale of, of abuse that's taking place behind closed doors at the moment. We've heard from from women that there's kind of four main issues they're concerned about at the moment. So um, the first is that abuse had, has escalated and becoming more severe, which you'd, you'd imagine. So this case is getting more serious, more physical violence and, and more harm. Um also that the options for leaving or escaping abuse are, are reduced or they weren't able to leave as they'd expected. Uh, thirdly, that the perpetrators using COVID-19 as a kind of a way to abuse, so not adhering to social isolation guidelines that, or you know, putting the, the victim and her children at, at greater risk of catching COVID-19. Um, and fourthly, concerns about safe child contact, which is a really big concern for survivors of domestic abuse because obviously after you leave, an abuser that doesn't necessarily mean the abuse stops if you've got a child with them that relationship's there for life and perpetrators will often use child contact uh, as a means of of continuing coercive and controlling behavior and we've seen that intensify um from from the lockdown as well the third thing you mentioned there are using covid-19 as a kind of form of abuse by not following social distancing guidelines can you talk a little bit more about that because it's fascinating that that is abuse that's right. Um, it's something that the World Health Organization had actually pointed out as as um, one of the likely impacts of how um, perpetrators of domestic abuse might use COVID nineteen to escalate or, or continue their um, controlling behaviour. So it's you know something that had been identified. It's something we need we needed to be um, alive to. Um, we've seen that that perpetrators have yeah not not adhered to the. The restrictions to the isolation measures or they're failing to take the precautions to prevent the spread of the virus so using the circumstances that we're all in as, as part of their abuse and, and power and controlling behavior and that's something we know about domestic abuse it's it's not just physical violence um it's emotional abuse it's psychological abuse it can be sexual abuse financial abuse abusers use so many different tools um to to cause fear and 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 have power and control over their victim and, and this is just one of one of the ones they're using now. What specific problems is the lockdown causing in terms of preventing people from getting away from an abusive relationship? Well as we were saying those those options of safety are, are just become that much narrower so the, the places that you might normally go, uh, the public services that you might normally be in contact with uh, are all um are all restricted. 
the opportunity you might have for, for reaching out uh, for support on the phone is, is less and more limited. And then even if you are able to, to make that call, to reach out, to, to seek um, advice about your options, about leaving an abusive relationship. And we've got to remember that's a massive step um, for, for a survivor experiencing domestic abuse to make that choice to leave. It's statistically a significantly dangerous time uh, when you leave an abusive relationship. It's something that has to be really carefully managed and, and you need to have a safety plan in place if you're choosing to leave. So we'd always say, you know, you must be in contact with, with specialist domestic abuse services if you're thinking about leaving and they can help you make that safety plan and, and plan that journey. Um, of course, the, the practical um, impact of, of the lockdown is really impacting the places that a, a victim could flee to. So we're seeing, you know, fewer refuge vacancies um, listed in England than we normally would at the current time. Refuge services at were massively struggling with demand for their help before COVID-19. And, and unfortunately, many are simply full. The ones that aren't might be struggling to accept new referrals from, from women and children because they're concerned about taking anyone else in um, and managing self-isolation in, in communal forms of accommodation. So that can be a, a real difficulty. They may have, you know, may have residents already displaying symptoms and don't want to put anyone else at risk of contracting them. So the refuge spaces we do have in England are becoming less accessible. And that's a real concern for women that are making that step to leave an abusive relationship. Is the government doing enough to protect people who are experiencing domestic abuse? We've been really concerned um, over the past kind of four or five weeks um, that, that those people who aren't safe at home are going to be paying the highest price um, or, you know, one of the highest prices of, of COVID-19. Um, as I said before, it, you know, we saw the impact um, of the pandemic on domestic abuse in other countries, and this was very predictable, um, the, the likely impacts on, on survivors here. So we have been concerned that it's not been a priority um, or, you know, a real uh concerted effort from government um, at the very senior, uh, most high level to put the safety of, of survivors of domestic abuse at the heart of their response to the pandemic. We really feel that we need, you know, coordinated action across all government departments. So this impacts on everything from, from the Home Office and Ministry of Justice to housing, to um, health, to education. It's across so many different areas. We need really high level coordinated leadership um, to ensure that that we're supporting survivors to get the help they need and that the services that they need are going to be sustainable through what's you know just a massive challenge uh, for, for frontline domestic abuse services at the moment. We have seen the Home Secretary make a really welcome statement uh, last weekend I think um, on domestic abuse and, and launch an awareness raising campaign which is great but I think it came too slow. It took too long. Um, we're concerned that, you know, telling, um, raising awareness of domestic abuse and, and telling victims they can leave, um, that's fine. But we need to have the support services there to ensure that they they reach safety and they get that support. Um, our member services are, are experiencing massive challenges in, in delivering their services. I think 80% of the Domestic abuse services we surveyed a couple of weeks ago had to reduce or cancel some parts of their service provision. 
only 30% of refugees we spoke to had adequate PPE. Um, so there's some real massive challenges uh, across the country in terms of delivering these these life saving support services that victims need. So it's it's not good enough just to just to tell um, survivors that support's out there and to raise awareness. We need to actually ensure the practical action um, is in place to meet their needs. What actions need to be taken? Sorry, uh, what actions need to be taken to improve the situation during coronavirus pandemic? I think first and foremost, we've been calling for emergency funding to in, to ensure local domestic abuse services and national services uh, can cope with the uh, not only the increased demand uh, from from domestic abuse during this time, but also just the issues that the sector is facing in terms of continuing uh, our current levels of, of service provision. So most um, domestic abuse services supporting women are staffed by women only. So that means they're likely to have significant staff shortages during the current time as women tend to have uh, more caring responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so the cost of backfilling staff and staff over time is massive. We need to kind of a guarantee from government that those costs will be met. Similarly, many of our services, you know, have been underfunded for years, don't have access to IT and the kind of technology you need to to quickly shift to remote working. So have incurred lots of costs like that themselves. And staff are struggling to provide, you know, really confidential and and difficult types of support over the phone uh, and online in in their bedrooms with their children around. That's really hard and we need resources for staff well-being um, uh, and, and coping with trauma during this time as well. Women and children that we're seeing are in massive financial hardship, so we need kind of welfare support for them too. Um, so I think that emergency funding injection is is probably the first, first point on our list, and, and we've been pleased to see the government make some commitments there. But Again, it's not clear when that when the money's going to reach the front line, how that's going to happen and how we're going to ensure all services get the funds they need. So that's something we're really trying to um, push up the government's agenda at the moment. There's also the kind of practical uh, measures that I spoke of. So testing and PPE in, in refuge services to ensure that the virus doesn't spread in, in communal forms of accommodation. Um, got a simple guidance for how these services manage in such a such a difficult time, um, and then I think that that coordinated leadership, that national um, action plan to you know really put put the safety and support of the victims of domestic abuse at the heart of the the government's response. How could the aftermath of the epidemic affect women in abusive relationships, and what should the government do um, after the epidemic? Do you think? So I think most of our uh, member services who deliver refugees and and other forms of support in local communities um, to women and children experiencing domestic abuse foresee that the the easing of restrictions and the end of the lockdown is going to result in in lots more women and children seeking support. Um, We're going to see, you know, the impact of, of this escalation in abuse and the increased harm that we know women and children are experiencing at the moment, we're going to see that result in, in more women coming forward when lockdown ends. And we really need to ensure that services are sustainable and prepared to be able to cope um, with with more women and children coming coming forward when this ends.
On a more personal note, how can friends and family help if they suspect that someone they know is in lockdown with an abusive partner? I think it's so fantastic to see how communities have, have responded to COVID-19 and, and the, you know, the really powerful community um, solidarity that, that we've seen through mutual aid groups and lots of other things happening um, up and down the country. We know family and friends and neighbours um, and community members can be absolute lifelines for survivors of domestic abuse. So um, they can really be gate openers into, into helping um, people experiencing domestic abuse get support and safety. We want to, to ensure that, that communities are equipped with the, the resources and tools they need um, to recognise abuse and, and, to, and to support those that might be experiencing it. Um, it's important to stay connected with each other, to, to reach out when you think something doesn't look right or uh, someone's behaviours recently changed or, you know, might be um, changing the way they dress, the way they um, respond to you, um, becoming very short in their answers, things like that, increasingly isolated or cut off or not making contact. All those things are um, a warning signs. So it's really important to be alive to, to changes of, of, of your network um, and to, and to yeah, keep that keep that connection, keep that support open. Ask, simply asking how things are at home, it, you know, that can create the space that someone might need to tell you that everything's not okay. Um, and if you do, if someone does open up to you and, and tells you about some the, the abuse they're experiencing or that they're not happy with their partner's behaviour, um, it's really important that you listen to them without judging them, that you believe um, believe what they're saying and, and you don't necessarily offer advice or tell them what to do because we always say a survivor is the best at managing their own situation. They'll have been probably doing so for weeks, months and years. And it's really important that you don't try and say you must leave or uh, why why would you stay with, with him um, why he, while he's doing that, that kind of thing. Because that can be really um, disempowering, can really dissuade uh, someone com coming forward and telling you something again. It's really important. Listen, listen to them, believe them, validate what they're telling you and, and talk to them about the support that is out there. So be aware of the local support services that you have in your area and, and be ready to, to give those names to someone if they open up to you. Um, you know, know how to how to talk about uh, signposting to support. That's really, really important. And, and just remember that someone showing empathy and support can be the most important thing. Um, and providing that right response can really open the door for someone seeking further help and, and leaving that relationship in the long term. Obviously, you have a lot on the Women's Aid website as well, which is brilliant, and lots of um, resources there. Um, yeah. What advice do you have for people living with an abusive partner at present? I mean, I, I realise you already said in the last answer, people that, that have been living with someone like that already sort of you know they're the ex experts, but um, what would you say to them mm -hmm. at the moment? That's right. Uh, you are the expert in in um, the the relationship that you you're in, and um, it's really important. We don't try and tell survivors what to do. It's about giving the right advice and the options that might be out there. So, of course, I'd always say in an emergency, and if you're at immediate risk of harm, call nine nine nine, and the police will respond to you. That they're, they're they're still responding to to victims of domestic abuse and they're really trying to prioritise their response because they know this is one of the areas 
uh, where people are suffering most during the pandemic. There's um, a, um, sorry, just to interrupt, there's a number you can press if you can't talk. Is that right? If you call the That's right. Yeah. So there's something called the silent solution system. So I'd definitely encourage anyone experiencing abuse to familiarise themselves with that. So it means if you ring 999 and you're not safe to speak, um, you'll be automatically uh, diverted to the silent solution um, automated system. And and then you'd need to listen to the, uh, the advice of the operator and you'll be instructed to press 55 if you can't speak and you'll then be transferred to your local police force. Um, because a silent call in and of itself to the police won't necessarily get you the support they need because they receive so many hoax and and fake calls um, per day. So it's really important you take those additional steps um, to yeah to reach the silent solution system. That's really important to know. Um, and yeah, similarly, uh, you know things like always having a mobile phone on on you uh, if you're experiencing domestic abuse being aware of the places in the house that might be um, might be more dangerous. Um, reaching out, staying connected, as I say, to your friends and family, keeping regular contact if you can. Um, there's, you know, lots of support services out there. We know it's, it's harder uh, to reach them at the moment um, if you're living with a perpetrator, but there are, as well as the national helplines that are available 24 hours a day, there's also online live chat support services that might be easier there's email services as well um so there's lots of different ways to get help support is out there and, and you're not alone but it it is really important to be aware of of um the different options you might need um and how to best to to reach help safely If you've been affected by any of the stuff we've talked about today, or you're struggling with your mental health amid the pandemic, you can contact the Samaritans on 116 123 or go to the website at samaritans.org. You can also head over to the Women's Aid website. They have plenty of resources there and advice. Their website is womensaid.org.uk. They also have a free helpline that's a 24-hour helpline, which is the National Domestic Violence Helpline. The number is 0808 2000247. Also on their website, they have an instant messaging service and a survivors forum. You can also email them, and that's helpline at womensaid.org.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, 
which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.